Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen posts on Tumblr, joined with Guile. Hi, I'm Guile, Guile and Subterfuge on Tumblr. Eon. Hey there, this is Eon, and I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. Kama. Hi, this is Kama, and I'm Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. And Clotho. Hi, this is Clotho, Clotho Spindle on Tumblr. And one more, we got Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky, Chicken on Tumblr. You forgot me, I heard you. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I was going to make a big deal out of it being the full group. Yay! <laughs> it's a big call. <laughs> and this whole time, I thought that Chicky and Lot were the same person. <laughs> <laughs> Pokeroo! Sorry, you guys won't get that, because you're Americans. <laughs> it's a Canadian reference. <laughs> you're welcome, Canada. <laughs> anyway, look it up. Okay, so this is kind of a special episode, uh, something a little different. We're going to do a bit of a topic discussion, and we're going to look at Jamie and Brienne, Fanon versus Canon. And I don't like to take for granted that people know what the fuck we're talking about with, like, fandom stuff. So what the hell is Fanon? Can anyone care to elaborate? (laughs) (laughs) It's when, um, basically, when people in fandom come to usually authors um fan fiction authors come to a consensus about um what is canon it's not necessarily based on anything in the text or the narrative or whatever your source is does that sound right yeah it's often organic too right i mean it's like nobody decides it just kind of happens (laughs) and i think it's sort of not necessarily a it's not necessarily a consensus on what canon is. In some cases, it's more of a consensus on a characterization. Yeah, whether or, or not it's or in, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, yeah. it can be characterization. It can be aspects of the story, though. Like, and the funny thing about fanon is people can forget that it's not real canon. canon. There are yeah. people who actually don't realize that it's fanon and not canon. I don't know. Is this okay. a good explanation? Lot. I mean, like you're you're the <laughs> you're the noob. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, just to play devil's advocate a bit, isn't it all up to um, interpretation? Isn't I think so. Some the, interpretations are wrong. Okay. Well, no. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. You have canon, which is your text, whether that's a film, a book, a story, a TV show, whatever. It's your actual text, right? That well, isn't canon. that up for interpretation? Yeah. It's yeah, people are, but for the purposes mm. of what we're saying, essentially, it's the source material. Fanon is not just somebody coming up with an idea. It's it's like accepted by, you know, more than one part, you know, accepted by the group, the fandom, as it will, or by a majority of it. Like, yeah. you could say that, you know, Jamie slept with a teddy bear till he was 32, and you might believe that in all your heart, and you and your friend might have accepted that, but that is not, not unless everybody in the in the fandom or the majority go with that, that's not fanon. So if we were to summarize fanon, could we say it's inaccurate group think by fans? 
Like, <laughs> I mean, high, why? High mind. Could, we're really hitting, like, we're hitting hard right off the bat, huh? <laughs> yeah, so that's figuring out, does Fanon have a negative connotation only? Is it ever, like, a slightly, you oh. know... No, I don't think no. it's always negative. No, no. It's harmless. It's... Yeah. Well, inaccurate sounds kind of negative. I mean, if, every, if that would be the you know, label. <laughs> I mean, like, let's say, like, the Stannis Davos, um, like, that they're in love. <laughs> That's right. a good one. That is definitely fanon, and it's, like, kind of quite accepted in fan fiction world, or even outside that there's, like, a, like, <laughs> especially else. strong connection there. And I, but I think you know, one of the differences between that and maybe what we'll get into a little bit is that a lot of that fanon does not necessarily strip away or add aspects to their characters. It's more of a logical continuation of the characters that we see. So that makes sense that it will be harmful. Davos has all of this devotion to Stannis and like is it oh maybe it's partly because he has romantic feelings. It doesn't change necessarily who Davos (laughs) like his is or who Stannis is. I gotta say, a little bit of what we're talking about here is verging more into headcanon territory, which is really a different thing than Fanon. Hmm. Explain. Um, yeah. <laughs> God, I fucking hate headcanon because it's just... Well, <laughs> that's what headcanon is. is. Do you know want to know what headcanon is? Okay, there's canon. Like like Calm said, canon is the source material. Canon is the text. Headcanon is what you decide is in the text, but the author didn't write or the, you know, the, the screenwriter didn't write. So basically, you decide that it's real, <laughs> even though yeah. it's not real at all. Like you so it's imaginary. You're going to write a modern <laughs> and, AU and you decide that... Um, I don't know that Jamie likes, I'm, I'm bad with the examples, but you make up an idea, but it's yours. It's not necessarily, it's not Fanon. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 already. it's, yeah. it's a, well, it's a little bit, di- well, sometimes though, one idiot's headcanon becomes Fanon. That's a <laughs> great, and I think like there's definitely some examples that we'll get into, particularly with Jamie. Okay. There are some pretty big name fans that have pretty strong head cannons that have become somewhat accepted, and yeah. okay. you know, that's all they are. That's a, They're not canon. That's a good segue for us because um, being as that we are a Jamie and Brienne podcast, we're going to be looking primarily at Jamie and Brienne fanon versus Jamie and Brienne canon. Um, so my question for the panel is, what is canon Jamie to you? Um, and now we're probably going to le- replicate a lot of our feelings about what Jamie Cannon is. So if you could give me Jamie Cannon in one word, and we'll start with um, Eon. <laughs> Jamie Cannon in one word? <laughs> That's really hard. I mean, I could... Hard? Is that your word? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh, he's cocky. <laughs> Sorry. How about you, Gail? I think he's witty. Oh, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Close up. I don't know. I was going to say funny, but I think it's probably witty's. He, he makes me laugh. You're in agreement, comma. <laughs> Failed idealist. Oh, good one. Oh, that's two words, but um, <laughs> suck it. Yeah, but. Can, I, can I add another one, though? Can I add another one? He's yeah, loyal, like, though. We can expand yeah, now. Well, yeah, What's that? Yeah. Yeah. He's loyal, though. He's a yeah. he's a loyal asshole. <laughs> and I think observant is another one that I would like to add. And I think he's interesting because he has insight 
into a lot of things, but he has his blind spots. You know, he's not necessarily, there's certain areas of his own uh, psyche that he doesn't have insight into. Some he does. Well, I know it's more than one word, but I would say he's also somebody that has his own moral compass. Like, he's just his own man. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Anybody else want to throw in what canon Jamie means to you? Do you think we covered it all? I think like Hama's point about the, you know, the idealist, I think there's, you know, he's certainly romantic as well in the, mm-hmm. in like the classical romantic sense. Yeah. And I, I, like, I was going to say like they, I mean, you know, he had the ideal of being in the King's guard and what that was going to be. And, uh, you know, if he's bitter and sarcastic about it all now, well, you know, that's what happens sometimes to idealists. Jaded, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, jaded, jaded is a better word. word, yeah. Okay, so what about what are characteristics of fandom, Jamie? There are more than one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyone want to take a crack? Doofus. <laughs> Doofus is definitely <sighs> yeah. one. I, I think it depends where you're going. Are you talking to our corner of fandom? Are you talking the larger fan? I mean, there's lots of different little groups. I mean, as much as we like to think there's one group, it's not. It's much more compartmentalized. So I think there's more than one uh, well, fandom. Let's do our fandom, it. since we know them best, I think. Oh, God. Dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, is, are we going with the one word? Because that's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> um, goofy. He, yeah, yeah. goofy. He ends up goofy in a lot of Jamie and Brienne stuff, like, inexplicably. I'm like, where's this coming from? In, in Ineffectual. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say sappy. There's a lot of sappy mm-hmm. Jamie fix out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, don't, I know for a while yeah. it's like snarky was a big word. Yeah. Although I he is kind of snarky in canon though. Canon, isn't he? Though. I, mean, I mean, he's me. not a, he's not, he's got that sort of, um, sort of cold, well not cold wit, but that sort of, yeah, I, I would agree that that's a canon trait. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if you go to like slightly outside the fandom into like, the Cersei fandom, Jamie oh, turns God. into like, oh, you know, <laughs> like yeah. browbeaten. Yeah, and that and is, like uh, sad. He just is sad. I mean, like actually, like genuinely has the emotion of sadness, yeah. which is not something you see much of in canon, Jamie. <laughs> no, and I think if you yeah. go to like overall have- fandom, you kind of see like unrepentant and evil oh. and you know a lot of words like oh, that oh that's reddit around. Um, well not reddit yeah. um, uh, westeros.org just going through the, the forums about how much people hate and loathe him I mean there are, yeah. I'd argue that that is even Simple a larger um, you know the not necessarily the fandom audience but the sort of general audience I mean I've heard that I mean he did and we forget this. I, we excuse it and forget it all the time. But the he pushed a child out the window for a lot of people is a non-starter, <laughs> you know? But the, yeah, I mean, it seems to be the thing they can't get past. And that seems to be. Well, the, you know. I, and, the, and I would argue uh, that that's a that's a reasonable argument, you know, for why you don't <laughs> like a character. Yeah. Right, but it's a reasonable <laughs> argument for why you don't like a character, but to deny that there are other I aspects. To, of I have to throw another. Not like yeah. paying well, attention to the to the story being told. Let to me you. let me just back up and say I think you got the fandom audience who's heavily or the people like us we're heavily heavily invested in this story, and then you've got your general let's say reading or viewing audiences the people who picked up the books and read them through once maybe even twice. Watch the show, 
they're not necessarily deeply into it the way we are. So I think their reactions tend to be a bit more surface, which well, I, I do think get. In the show, I think show well, canon is a whole different story. <laughs> well, that's true. And that might actually be accurate for what show canon has shown for Jamie. Yeah. But I think book canon, no. Like, I mean, I think you're wrong. <laughs> Like, well, I, I mean, I think it's like the their interpretation who, of him is wrong. I don't know. I have friends who have who've been reading the books, but you know, they're big, dense books, and they reach a point, and really, we don't really get into who Jamie really is until he starts getting POV chapters. And I think for some people, they've kind of checked out before they're even there. Like they're not even either they're not reading it or they're kind of like, oh my god, what the hell did I get myself into? Why well, am I reading these books? Honestly, I think if like my my take on a lot of it is is I think you know it's like anything you bring you know talking about interpretation of canon basically and, and you always bring yourself to the interpretation of anything that you approach and mm-hmm. you bring your own moral compass your own moral code and it's like do do you believe that people can have gray areas do you you know do you believe that good people can do bad things and bad people can do good things. And do you believe, you know, do you believe in that, right. you know, duality of existence? There are people who cannot accept mm-hmm. um, yeah. gray areas. They, they need things to be black and white. And I, I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I mean, I think it's just, you know, the way that some people are wired or the way that I don't know, they're raised. Um, so you have those people and, the, and they come to um, a song of ice and fire or game of Thrones. And they just want to be able to put people into generic, Boxes. Black and white categories. And, and you know, that's really difficult to do with any character who gets much, you know, screen time or, or page time with The Song of Ice and Fire or Game of Thrones. Yeah. Because they all suck when you really break <laughs> <laughs> Can I throw another one out there? And I think this one's uh, influenced by show-only show viewers. And it's the Jamie that is desperate to please his daddy. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I've seen that all over mm. like Tumblr meta though. Like Tywin daddy issues Jamie, which I don't see like the show I don't think really did much yeah. of that at all though. Like that's, that's a real that's jump a from the show. I don't know. That scene where he's getting deer. that deer. Yeah. 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 That's, full that's of all it. about yeah. it's disappointing and family mm. honor and yeah, I think with show, with certainly with show Jamie, there are family issues and father issues. Oh no! With all Jamies, there are family issues. But yeah, <laughs> father well, issues. I mean, like, um, but I mean, on the show, I mean, that whole thing with Tywin oh, and yeah. the deer gutting. Um, yeah, I think that's very much a giant red flag in the show canon that something's up between the two of them. Yeah, it, it, the show the show really departed from the book Jamie Tywin relationship. I mean, it's a lot less complicated in the books in many ways. I mean, like Tywin's got really complicated relationships with all of his kids, but by far yeah. the least complicated relationship is his relationship with Jamie. Right. Okay, so I think on the show Jamie's probably been mischaracterized um, more than Brienne, I would say, although she has her failings. Um, so what I'd like to do is. Do a roundtable again, one word uh, of how you would describe canon, Brienne. We're going to start with comma. Romantic. Uh, I like that. Um, Guile? I'm going to say heroic. Mm, Clotho? It's not exciting, but quiet as a descriptor. <laughs> uh, Chicky? Honorable. Ian? Um, uh, loyal to a fault? 
That's not so one hard word. With Brienne. It's so hard. It's so hard. Yeah. It is really hard. I don't know why it's harder with Brienne. Complicated. No. <laughs> <laughs> Complex. Stubborn. I would throw in stubborn. stubborn. Oh my gosh, stubborn. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> persistent. I would change that to persistent, but yeah. Mm. So, um, my next question then is, uh, what characteristics of fandom, Brienne, bitchy, exist? Oh goodness. <laughs> Infallible. Yeah. Yeah. Where does that <laughs> come from? And like, okay, I just have that. Because she's perfect. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I have such a pet peeve around, which is why I say quiet around the whole like loquacious Brienne. And we get that not in every fic, but it's really rare because it's hard to write somebody who doesn't talk a lot. And I get that, but it's a lot of them make her too. I'm not saying she doesn't have any wit, but they just make her. I don't know if anybody else has experienced that in reading these, but I just think she's way too talkative. I think she's way too pretty, especially in modern oh in modern fan fiction. Especially, I would say that drives yeah. me bonkers. How she pretty. just needs what, to go pretty? to the Macy's make or the Lancome makeup oh, yeah. counter, and they'll get her into some short dresses, and wow, supermodel! It drives me <laughs> up a wall. That's- Probably the Gwendolyn Christie like equation. Well, I, I think a lot well, of right? yeah, a lot of these are because of that. I can definitely say my the more you know more verbal thing is because of her because she's very she's a very witty lady and she comes she's very charismatic and that's hard to play down. Yeah. I, I will say as someone who has written and I write mod AUs so right there I'll, I'll, I'm going to put this out there. Um, okay, Canon Brienne is pretty young, right? She's like Barry. 18. Jamie is, yeah. what is he supposed to be in canon? Like 30? 34, 35. 35. So in a modern setting, if you keep those ages, and I'm not saying it can't be done or it hasn't been done well, but that's a little tough because that's mm-hmm. that's a that's a gap there. And anyone who doesn't believe that is either, it, it, it's a gap. Oh, um, yeah. So then what happens is, I made the call, like when I wrote, and I kind of blame myself because I have written kind of slightly goofy Jamie. Um, I didn't. Yeah, I think just for the record, I mean, I think when we're talking about fan but, fiction, we've all, like, all of us that have written have done this. So. But I think what <laughs> happens is, okay, I am not about to write her as an 18-year-old with a 35-year-old because that's too, for whatever reason, I did. I found that a little squicky. So I aged her up. Well, okay, you're older. You're not going to be the same person you are as you are as, you know, when you're 18. Hmm. So then it becomes an instance of how do you translate? How do you project in your head how this character will have changed? And sometimes that can be, you know, that now we're definitely, we're in headcanon territory, we're in fanon territory. We're looking at Gwendolyn Christie, who is very much an adult woman. She is not an 18-year-old girl. How do you make those changes? And I think that's how some of this starts. Yeah. Well, and I mean, to be fair, especially with Brienne, for some reason, people come to the character of Brienne through the show first. And I think everything about the impression that Gwendolyn Christie gives Mm -hmm. is, is, is harsher and more mature than canon Brienne. And I think when people go to the books then, and then read the books, they don't pick up on the little things like what Clotho was talking about, like how quiet she can be and, you know, how naive she is and things like that. They just kind of don't see it because it's not what's already in their heads. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I really do believe that's why we have characters like, you know, Heil Hunt and Podrick in Brienne's chapters yes, because they need yes. to make her speak. Yes. Like, you know, you know, 
like Dick Crab, obviously. I mean, he's, yeah. you know, doing all the talking in, in that chapter. Mm-hmm. So why why does this happen, you think? I mean, I think we've touched on it. <laughs> oh, why <my> God. <laughs> gravitates people to come up with these mischaracterizations? I think Brienne, I mean, as much as we don't want to admit it, I think in a lot of fan fiction, Brienne is somewhat of a self-insert in a way, yeah. you know, because mm-hmm. we're mostly women writing it. And so, you know, in most cases, we're probably going to identify with a female character and so we make her the best version of herself. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, you know, I get that. I don't know why Jamie's made to be an idiot. Like that, I, I, <laughs> I have no answer for. I think maybe it's like that, a woman empowerment thing. <laughs> Make well, you and feel I, better I, about yourself. <laughs> I, I think with Brienne, we're all well-versed, at least in most of Western culture, we're almost, and I can't speak to the others because I'm just not that learned to tell you, um, but I think we're all well-versed in the ugly duckling turns into a swan trope. I think that's a big thing for us. It's easy for us to understand. It's easy for us to follow. We've heard this, you know, since we were little kids. So I think this is where the Brienne just needs a makeover comes from, which, again, drives me up a wall, but it's like, no, no, the whole point is that she's not ever going to be the swan and you just have to, and it has nothing to do with who she looks like on the outside. It's how beautiful she is on the inside. Well, I think it's also that, you know, she's ugly. She's ugly, but Jamie's actually quite physically attracted to her from, right. You know, almost the moment he meets her and in the terms of just how he's so observant of her body. And so, you know, he right. uses very flatter. You know, he uses very insulting words to her, to her body and her face. But he also uses like very flattering words. Right. And he has very flattering actions towards her body. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I mean, you know, she's ugly, but it doesn't. You know, she's beautiful on the inside, but you know, there's a lot of Jamie that is right. attracted to the outside for whatever you know for whatever reason. She's she's what she is, and he's into it. Yeah, right, I think but- people have trouble reconciling that in a weird way. I think people have trouble in their own minds combining the concepts of she is in fact ugly, like yeah. kind of empirically ugly as much mm. as someone could be, and yet attractive. And I think people don't know how to let those two things be, and I think it gets kind of twisted into, well, she must really be beautiful, or, you know, everybody's beautiful, which, I mean, you know, yes, of course, everybody's beautiful, but, like, we, we all agree, some people are more beautiful than others, and <laughs> if there's a bottom of the spectrum, <laughs> Brianna's on it, <laughs> and, you know, I, I think that I think that people, you know, you run, sometimes when you, you really get into things, you know, you run into to people's, you know, like, who was it that mentioned the self-inserts, I think there's some of that. Um, I think you you can get into some of people's like deepest seated insecurities Mm -hmm. for themselves, I think, with some of this stuff. And so it might be difficult for someone to say Brienne is ugly and yet someone loves her. I think I think I think Mm -hmm. uh, especially like as Calm said, in in a in a Western ideal, we all want to hear that we're all, in fact, beautiful somehow. And what we don't want to hear is, no, we're ugly, but people love us anyway. And I think that's, I think that, I think you, I think you kind of get into personal territory with some of it sometimes. That's my yeah. feeling. I mean, like, you know, you hate to project. I don't know. Who knows? No, I think. No, like I the, agree. I because, think, yeah, I, it's, I agree. Because I was going to say, there's like one episode I remember we did. It was a book chapter episode. And it was Jamie chapter where he describes her face that could curdle milk. <laughs> I totally glossed over it. And Chickie's like, no, 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 back up. This is important. <laughs> it is important. It is important. And I'll tell you why it's important. Um, a few years ago, in response to a fic, 
someone who was kind of tangentially in fandom um, talked to the author about what it meant that um, the fic had, had made Brienne truly ugly and that Jamie loved her anyway because this person had some sort of facial scarring. I don't know what the situation was, but she's like, you know, it's just, I am ugly. I am ugly. And she's like, it's so important to see people who are in fact ugly. And I think this is something that's painful for a lot of people to mm-hmm. kind of work themselves into, to really, to really deal with it. But I think what George did with Brienne is really important for a lot of people mm-hmm. and a lot of it women. And I yeah. think it's yeah. great. And yeah. That's why I personally fight really hard for ugly Brienne because it's important. No, she's not an ugly duckling. She's not an ugly duckling. She actually is ugly and it really doesn't matter. I mean, and and can you all think of any examples in media? Like I'm trying to think of even old films, new films where someone, a woman who's been truly ugly has played a lead part and I, it's all makeup and you look dowdy and, you know, There are suits a few and... comedians. Um, I mean, I don't think is it Fanny Not Bright? in a I mean, lovable way. You not know? in a leading <laughs> lady. I mean, yeah, I think that's yeah. very rare. Yeah. We in just fact, don't if you... see it visually. So I think it's hard for no. us to... Well, and I, I think even if you look at... You look at people who... Like the movies... Like, oh, there's an old film called The Enchanted Cottage with Dorothy McGuire, who is about as far as ugly as you can mm. get, where she's supposed to be playing the plain woman. And they're in this like, enchanted cottage. And as long as they're in this cottage, they see each other as beautiful. Oh. But you could dowdy up Dorothy McGuire all you want. She's still gorgeous. You know, I mean, what's the Jack Black? Um, can't, is it Cameron Diaz? Movie? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, oh, you yeah. know, it's Paltrow. Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow. Paltrow. Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow, yeah. And I mean, you know. Shallow hell. Yeah. And I mean, she's actually not ugly. She's fat. She's not really ugly. But I mean, I think that's like you know, I think you somewhat see, of an example. Yeah, if you yeah, see unattractive people, unattractive women in leading roles, they're usually comic. They're yeah. very seldom. In fact, I cannot think of one where you've got, um, you know, you've got somebody playing like a conventional, you know. Yeah. I mean, but how many ugly comic? men are, you know? Oh God, oh, God. Steve Buscemi is so like a leading man. Right, but that's happened before. Oh, we've no, gotten I've, some ugly leading men. We have. Ugh. Yeah, I would disagree with that. <laughs> the latest well, James just, Bond. <laughs> I'm just trying to think, like, off the top of my head, and maybe, like, I'm, oh, I'm just, I'm sure. Adam that, I mean, Sandler I isn't like, that great. I mean, he's not horribly ugly, but he's certainly not, like. <laughs> well, look at Jack like, Black. I'm sorry, but, yeah, I don't, well, you know, we just yeah. mentioned him, and he's had. There are a lot. I think men. I'm trying to think of like Brienne level ugly. Like yeah, that's that. Yeah, I guess that like, would be kind of... like that as like a romantic lead or something. And I, I'm sure there are. Like I'm sure I'll yeah. think there are an example. So. They're allowed to be. It's different. Oh, right. from, you know, and they're, they're allowed. allowed. To be, they're allowed to be old. They're allowed to be. Fat. Oh yeah. To, you that's know, for like sure. they're, oh, yeah. 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 yeah you're saying you, you only see them like um, ugly women in roles that are comedic <laughs> or terrifying. Harold and Maude. Yeah, she's pretty, just 90. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Ruth yeah. was kind of a looker when she was a young woman. Yeah, I mean, she was. You know, like, Kathy Bates would be an example of, like, I mean, and I, I don't think Kathy Bates is particularly unattractive. She's just, no. like, an older woman. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. you know, she's someone that's had, like, a, you know, a career that's not based upon her looks, I don't think. Yeah, like, it's based upon yeah. her talent. And the fact that that's legit, maybe one of the only people I can think of, it's pretty... Right. And that's like, really... The convention yeah. is 
what we have in Hollywood where she doesn't have makeup or her hair is up yeah. really tight. And which, it's like, um, oh like God. she's all that or not another teen yeah, movie. Which, which is, oh my God, Cl- no, okay. <laughs> all right. It's, um, it's the big sleep where Bogart's in the bookstore and the clerk, he says, well, can you take off those glasses? Because I hate movies. Because oh. it's like, she's wearing glasses it's probably because she can't see. It's it's not like a cosmetic thing. No. But she takes off the glasses. No, she's totally she a hipster. Her hair now she can't see him. <laughs> and then years later, there was a Doris Day film. And I think it was like Gig Young or somebody like that. Or Tony Randall playing the second lead. And he's with this, this unattractive secretary. He was like a bit player. And he makes her take her glasses off and shake her hair and unbutton the first button on her blouse. And she's still unattractive. And he's like, huh, funny. It always works, the, you know, in the movies. And that's what we're used to seeing. All they need is a makeover. Okay. There you we're go. going off the rails. Okay, I think we've okay. covered it. Important. Let's pull Classic it back. movies are important. Um, not in this podcast. Yeah, in this podcast. I'm bringing them back. <laughs> so we've discussed some of the um, popular theories, mostly I think show and fandom, but there's some Song of Ice and Fire fan theories, uh, fan characterizations of Jamie as well. And thank you, Guile, for contributing some of these. Um, I think we covered this one. Jamie wants to be like Tywin. And then there's this one, Jamie isn't seeking redemption. What's that about? Well, I think there's, you know, different camps in that people, one. <laughs> well, it's like people read and or saw the scene with Edmure and they accept it at 100% face value that Jamie is like an awful person and he, you know, is exactly the same character as he is in, you know, Brand's first, you know, Brand's chapters in Game of Thrones. Yeah, and that's just underscores the people who just essentially loathe Jamie and will never like him. They use that as their, you know, it's not a redemption arc. Yeah, and a- they, you know, and I think there's, you know, certainly the idea of, you know, Jamie's this abuser. I, th- I think a lot of it is based upon people read Jamie's thoughts and they interpret them as Jamie's actions, right? Without mm-hmm. like thinking mm-hmm. through the way yeah, people, you know, it. I mean, God knows if we were convicted upon our thoughts, I mean, who mm-hmm. would not be in jail? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's one I I remember reading this whole thing about how. He's supposed, yeah, yeah, he's, I think the person's like, yeah, yeah, he's supposed to be, you know, swore this oath to bring Sansa Stark back. And his, I can't remember what the his literal thoughts are, but something like he finds out she's been married to Tyrion and he's like, ha ha, you know, Tyrion will like that. And then so, suddenly that becomes a, you know, that he's not, he's evil. And I think oh, it's more like, I thought it was really, a, a commentary on Tyrion. Yeah, that's so funny that people interpret it's really. Oh. Yeah, where it's really like his regret about what he, you know, his involvement in with what happened to Tisha. Like, oh, Tyrion's got, you know, he'd like a young, pretty wife again. You know, which I think is sort of more about his affection for Tyrion than anything else. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think... Yeah, go go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, okay, so this whole redemption thing, I keep pretty quiet about it. (laughs) Uh Oh, here we go. Yes. Here's here's my take. Disco. I don't. I I mean, like we we do use the terms redemption arc, and I don't think there's any question. You know, it's like literally he loses the hand that he pushes Bran out a window with. I don't think there's any question that George is playing with the concept of a redemption arc with Jamie, and in fact, he's been very explicit about this and said that that's yeah, what he's. I, I think he's literally said. Yeah. It's about redemption. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> however, however, um. 
there's a kernel of truth in some of that insanity that you hear in the Jamie Cersei fandom, which is insanity. Sorry, I'm not even going to sugarcoat what I think of it. But, you know, there's a kernel of truth in it. And that is, you know, it's not so much that Jamie changes. I don't think there's really any change in who Jamie is from from moment one in a Game of Thrones to the last time that we see him in dance. I think he's the same guy. I think what changes is, you know, he, he changes his priorities, he changes what he cares about, and the biggest thing that changes is your view of him. You learn the reason that he pushed the fucking kid out the window and that he had a pretty damn good reason to do it. That's what changes things, I think, for the reader. And I think that's kind of what George is talking about when he says, I'm playing with the concept of redemption. But at the same time, like when you hear George talk about Jamie's justification to push Bran out the window and like never forget that Ned himself goes, I don't know what I would have done in Jamie's position. And he says, and if it had been Catelyn, he knows Catelyn would have pushed somebody out the window. Yeah, right. And, you know, the, the the idea that George is playing with is more about maybe if you knew why people do terrible things, you wouldn't think that it was a black and white situation or you wouldn't think that the world was black right. and white and so I think, oh go ahead that's that's what i think i don't think jamie is a fundamentally different person at the end of i the story agree than was at the beginning he's not a different person but i do think that some what changes is that he is willing to act on he's willing to act on his priorities and on his desires if that's the right word and i can't think of a better word than desires and kind of what i mean by that is i feel like you know he spent like 15 years sort of in a daze, like in this post-Aries world, like he just did nothing. Yeah, he had to compartmentalize and, to survive. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, after his year, you know, his year, whatever, in the dungeons at River Run, you know, he comes out of there and he's willing to kind of do a couple of the impulsive actions. Like this is another thing, another kind of fan that we haven't really gotten into is this idea of Jamie's impulsiveness and whether or not he is that impulsive. Uh, yeah. But he does do like a few... He starts, like, doing things. And, you know, if you line up and think about all of his actions, like, post-River Run, he's actively doing a lot of things that, you know, are positive, I think, or things that we would think would be the right choice to do. He's stepping into the role, he's stepping into a leadership role rather than sort of being a little more passive in certain situations or allowing other word is he's not pass he's losing a lot of his yeah. passivity and he gets yeah, kind of late yeah oh sorry go ahead uh, just because he gets i think he they label him more towards a reckless and and i don't necessarily see him because there's even things from his childhood where you know cersei would do things like when she stuck her hand in and touched the lion and he wouldn't do it and she dared him to pull his mane. I, I mean he's not i don't think he's inherently reckless and i think that mm. sort of i could see the impulsive bits but not well, inherently another fan that he and cersei are exactly the same oh like, yeah it's exactly i think that's part of the issue yeah 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 but she's reckless and she's impulsive well, and yeah. yeah but see part of that is like i think the whole reckless and impulsive thing it comes from cersei and Tyrion because that's what they think of him and uh yeah a that's lot a good of point. what you end up thinking about the lannister siblings mm-hmm. comes from the other siblings right that is, yeah. um, but but well what, yeah what reckless and impulsive like Jamie was a bit reckless at Whispering Wood, and then he was pretty impulsive in jumping into the bear pit and smacking Ron Connington. But, I mean, he sat in King's Landing while Cersei's, like, letting the kettle blacks ogle her tits and, like, do all this shit. <laughs> and he, like, literally does nothing. Like, an impulsive I, man in that situation. I think with decisive <laughs> is the term for Jamie. He's mm-hmm. decisive. I, I think, you know, he 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 doesn't 
he's one of those people who, and I kind of understand this because I'm a little bit the same way. I, people kind of run into moral situations where they're like, oh, I don't know what I'd do. And I'm like, I always seem to know what I would do. And I, I can't tell you why that is. It's just one of those, it's just, I never have to think about things like that. And I see a little bit of that in Jamie. I think he just, you know, like when yeah. it comes to Ares blowing up the city, right. I mean, like he already knew what he was going to have to but do. That's, there's didn't. a reason he put on his Lannister armor that morning. Right. You know, yeah. like he knew he that waited. Like, to. you know, he waited he through a lot of yeah. things to get to that point. So he, you know, he did. He did. And he, yeah. pl- he had a bit of a plot in order to do it. You know, he killed the pyromancers. Like he, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, have a clear, like, you know, he had a plan of action. Yeah, you have the clear juxtaposition with Cersei, who just recklessly does every, you know, every single thing she does is just an immediate reaction to something else. So. Yeah, and she's yeah, more no. reactive <laughs> than proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just want to say one thing because you touched on it. Because um, I see this over and over and over again. You know, Martin has a character call another character stupid or brave or whatever. Uh, and yeah. then the surface read is, well, clearly, you know, so-and-so is right. This character is brave or stupid or whatever. And it's like, not until you kind of unpack or you realize that, Mm. you know what, this character who's saying this stuff is not necessarily a good judge of character (laughs) or doesn't have all the facts or whatever, but that's how a lot of people make their and Cersei's constantly calling Jamie a fool, so I wonder if people internalize oh, yeah. that, and that turns into idiot Jamie in the, you know, this, in the thing. You know, well, that is it one, isn't even right? just that the Lannisters. Yeah. You see this with the Starks. You see this with the Stark sisters. It's the same thing. You see people kind of adopting the attitude about the other Stark sister yeah. that one Stark sister conveys. And it's like, you realize this is her sister who's pissed at her half the time because they're, you know, preteens. They're fighting, and, and they're, yeah. Yeah, they're sisters. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, you kind of have to, this is part of, you know, where George's really great he he takes the whole pov structure very seriously and he really gets into people's heads but he he expects you to kind of filter and and you do have to do that and, and I, think, I think a lot of people don't and i think mm-hmm. the descriptions of jamie especially from you know Tyrion, are in game of thrones and i think you know oh, as yeah. the gardener mm-hmm. you know i think as he wrote george like you know very much expanded on who jamie was and i don't think the character that he was describing in game of thrones is necessarily the character that came onto the page in in Storm of Swords. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah, they don't think he tweaked a little. I think Cersei's the one who changed the most really from a Game of Thrones onward, but yes. I think also I think there are a hell of a lot of people, uh, some of them in our own fandom who have maybe read the books, maybe read one or two of the books, maybe read them kind of quick, maybe never read the books and claim they read the books, but maybe read the Jamie and Brienne chapters. But nothing else. The wiki. Oh yeah. Read the wiki. And now on the wiki. (laughs) And it's one thing if you say, and I've met people like this. I've never read the books. Okay, great. They have their own interpretation of the character. But what's driving me batty are the people who've done this very surface read ten years ago or whatever, or read it, you know, or never read them and are claiming they do, and now are supposed to be an expert on canon uh, Brienne and Jamie, and it's like Mm -hmm. no. No, don't don't do that. You just I mean, be honest be, about it. Yeah. And to be fair, I mean, I think you know, there's not necessarily. I don't think any of us want to present ourselves necessarily as experts on. No, on canon. I'm not. I mean, it's more yeah. like there are, you know, <laughs> there are some pretty common, rather egregious aspects of Jamie and Brienne characterizations that really go against canon that right. are pretty common. 
and to perfect, I mean, you know, we all gave kind of different descriptions of Jamie. Like, you know, there are certain aspects of, of words other people used I don't necessarily agree with. I don't think there's one, you know, correct interpretation of Jamie, but I think there's, like, consistent aspects of his character that, right. you know, are accurate, I guess. Very good. Okay, one of the other things that come up continuously with uh, Jamie's character is um, he's spoiled rich boy who's never worked for anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh. That might have been true up until the point where he was 16, although I would argue never worked for anything is kind of a... I think he I mean, worked pretty he hard worked to get to be hard, a good, right. uh, good with the sword. Yeah. That's not something you just... You he's know, like you a star... Just, he's like a... I mean, he's a star athlete, right? Yeah. Mm. So... I mean, I think he, you know, practiced his sport pretty diligently. Um, But this argument that he's never, and he certainly worked for stuff when he was um, in the Kingsguard under Ares and then God knows under Robert. So, yeah, I mean, I think he was probably just a loyal, you know, loyal. I mean, because assuming, I'm assuming that Jamie fought in like the Greyjoy Rebellion. I'm, you know, I think he did all that shit, right? Like there'd be no reason why he wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, they say it on the show. I don't know that we ever hear anything in the books. Yeah, I don't think we do. But, I mean, I'm just, you know. Yeah, you kind of assume. I mean, clearly he learned how to to, to, to lead somewhere because he's pretty decent until Rob tricks him. You know? Well, I think that's another, you know, that's kind of another aspect of it that we don't really see in a lot of fanon is this idea of Jamie as, like, a very competent leader by the end of Dance. Like, if you're looking at people in leadership roles... You know, he's right up there with the best people that we, you know, the best people in Westeros and Essos at that time. You know, he's very measured. He's making great decisions. He's got, like, the respect of his army. You know, he's making friends with the small folk. Like, he's doing a really good job. Mm-hmm. Well, and Tyrion talks about this. Like, when Jamie bothers, like, he can win people over. Like, you know, Tyrion talks about how good he is. At least. Isn't that interesting? And Jamie says the same thing about Cersei, too, right? In one of his chapters, something about her mm. um, currying favor with the men and she could win them over if she tried. Yeah. Or when she yeah. tried. It's that, that Lannister charm. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, I think like his interactions with Titus Blackwood, I mean, that's not really charm. That's more like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give you the best deal that I can give you because there's no reason for us to be antagonistic for each other after this. Like everything that happened is done. Like we're going to forget about it more or less. I'm going to give you a good deal. This is it. And I think, oh, you know, yeah. it's what about you know, when the people are like, Oh, he wants to be like Tywin. I think like Tywin would, I mean, some aspects of Tywin would, but I, I can't imagine him dealing that well with the river Lords. I think it's less about being literally or like, his father and certain qualities and more, I think of it more of t- taking a leadership role is how I would interpret that. Yeah. But. Cause it, he, he is in his head, fairly critical of Tywin's cruelty. I mean, he, he yeah. doesn't agree with it. Like, you know, you look at how he felt about what Tywin did with Rhaegar's kids. He was not happy. I mean, you know, like well, and sure not was, only not happy, yeah. he didn't even expect it. And, you know, I mean, he should have known his dad well enough. I mean, like that just is not Jamie. Like, and it, he doesn't want to be that he, thinks fairly often about how he doesn't, you know, like he, he does not approve of the cruel, cruel cruelty. I mean, like he thinks that there's a way you like to talk about how he deals with Titus Blackwood. 
he thinks there's he thinks there's a way for everyone to you know retain their dignity and come out of right. it you know and, and, and that yeah. it doesn't need to be harsh and terrible. One of the horror like one of the metas that I read that really ticked me off was about someone claiming or it was actually a Twitter conversation I had where someone was claiming you know after Jamie takes Hoster Blackwood hostage he you know he's kind of chatting with Hoster and. You know, Hoster is talking about the Blackwood and Bracken feud, and Jamie. He and Jamie talk, and Jamie mentions, you know, basically, well, to end it, you have to kill the other ones. And they're taking this as this, like, see, he's just as bad as Tywin. He's just like Tywin. And you know, I tweeted back, yeah, as he's li- literally not killing the Tullys, letting them live, and in the you know in the next four pages is going to go off to save the last remaining Stark, like. <sighs> He can say this shit, but his actions do not line up with this with this character that you're developing. No, this is the thing I don't understand why people don't understand in Feast. What what Jamie's doing, like when he's talking to Jenna, his aunt, um, you know about you know who, who's more like Tywin now. What Jamie sees himself being is the statesman who gets out of the messes. I mean, I yeah. think in his mind he was cast as the athletic type, if you want to put it that way, the swordsman you know, the the action guy and not as the thinker. And he's trying to be the thinker. He's trying to think mm-hmm. his way through this muck. Right. And that to him is what he's trying to emulate with Tywin. It's pretty yeah. clear because it's all he does in Feast is just try to sidestep violence with stuff. I mean, right. and I mean even with like execution, like, but to him that's yeah. justice, not violence. So, But even like someone with like Lancel, like his interaction with Lancel, who, you know, an impulsive, reckless dickhead would not deal with Lancel the way that, you know, Jamie deals with him, which is, you know, with like kind of quite a bit of sympathy and, you know, fatherly advice. Yeah. Yeah. I think you see that with, with Jamie quite a lot. He's got, he's got a higher bit of emotional intelligence. I think most characters in this universe. And like, one of, one of the common things I do see with Jamie too, and um, on other podcasts, I've heard this reiterated is that Jamie is stupid. It's just, yeah, and I don't understand um, where that comes from. I know where that it comes from. Whole, I can tell yeah. you where it comes from. It comes from, I can't remember where it is, but the <laughs> idea, I think it's in um, when it was Storm. I don't know. It's it's his thinking that what they're going to do is he's going to get back to Cersei or whatever, and he'll marry Tommant, Marcella, and it'll all be good. And it was just mm-hmm. like, uh, uh, no. You know, I, I think he's got a few of those moments. But See, I, it, think you, I know you think that with that, but I really don't. I mean, like, what t- what Jamie's saying, and he's right, is we control this mess. He's like, the Lannisters are in charge of anything. We can literally do whatever we want. Who's going to stop us? Because in his mind, they've become the Targaryens. And he's not wrong. I mean, who would have stopped them at that point? Yeah, I think it's all show-based. And, and because Tywin was alive <laughs> when he Larry. said it. I think he's got more than a few moments. Let me just say this. I think he's got a few moments where he comes up with the occasional boneheaded option or thinking something. Now, just because he does that and has those moments, I don't think that makes him stupid. Because let's be honest, we all have those moments. Every one of us. Yeah, but I, I don't think, think there are a few moments, of those. He does that, have a and few. Maybe Maybe that's not one you agree with, but I think there are a couple where you're like, uh, no, that would be a remarkably bad idea. Now, that might be because we have a better, we have the reader's God's eye perspective of what is going on, and we know how that will fail spectacularly. But I don't think him having the occasional, like, stupid idea makes him stupid. 
that no, because it's it's like the it's like the concept of the fact that he, among many other people, thinks about making Littlefinger hand, and it's like, well, no, everybody's had that thought, and it's a stupid thought, but no one knows. <laughs> right. I mean, Littlefinger is far less men. Like he's not a mustache twirling villain in the book. Like there's, you know, if it was if it was show Littlefinger, yes, that would be kind of stupid to think so. But in the books, yeah. I think book he's Littlefinger pretty is. is Quite a bit clever. I mean, honestly, I think the show characterization of Jamie that make people think he's stupid, and I think really insultingly, it's because he's dyslexic in the show, and people have said have somehow turned that into him being stupid, which is horrifying. But I do think, like, genuinely, I think that's it. I think it's that idea that book smarts makes you smart. Yeah. And Tyrion definitely has book smarts. There's no arguing with that book or show. But that's not accurate. You can be an incredibly intelligent person and never open well, a book. And, and, and I don't think Jamie doesn't not have book smarts. Like, Jamie knows all the houses and all that shit, yeah, too. Yeah, but well, in I the think, show... Yeah. In the books, you know, again, goes back to Tyrion in that first, you know, Game of Thrones, the first book. I mean, Tyrion kind of, brought, you know, they kind of paint him as this kind of, I don't want to say lackadaisical. What would be the word? Like, devil may care kind of, oh, you know, he yeah. makes the money. He laughs. Flips. Yeah, he, he laughs at everything, and like, and I think maybe like you know he paints Jamie as kind of again with Cersei the whole fool thing that oh everything's a joke to Jamie, and to some people that could be interpreted as being stupid because you don't take things seriously and or he's a good athlete and or the jock the dumb, yeah the dumb the dumb jock cute idea jock. yeah. I mean, look, he's not the brain that Tyrion is. He's not the brain that Tywin is. He's not the smartest person in these books, but. I mean, he's so far from being the dumbest person in these books. He might be one of the smartest people in terms of, like, understanding the motivations and actions of other people. Like, I think it's that emotional intelligence. He actually is probably one of the smartest people. But if we're thinking, we're talking about how this stuff happens, well, this is how it happens. How these people come up with it, yeah. I mean, they look at, okay, he's good with the sword, Tyrion's good with books, okay, and you go, I think we're trained, because we we read all these other things, many of which are very simplistic, but you have these tropes. Right, like one brother's good at one thing, the other's good at another. Yeah, I mean, this is how it happens. No one can be good at multiple things. (laughs) Right, but I mean, it's like, but that's how a lot of our entertainment is presented to us. So we get used to... Go ahead. Oh, sorry, I cut you off, Kamala. I was going to say, I'm going to go on to one more um, characteristic, and then I think we're going to move on to Brienne. Um, and that is, Jamie is nihilistic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean <laughs> sometimes, this is a, I mean, I, yeah, I think, like, there are certainly moments after he gets his hand cut off, and I think, like, I just, I mean, we'd have no idea, but I sort of feel like those 17 years at Robert's court, he probably um. was, kind of. Like, you know, how else would he just sort of not do anything for all of that time? Like, he just kind of gave up. I feel like he sort of gave up on life for a long time, other than, you know, occasional sex with Cersei. Like, what else was in his life? <laughs> like, he had to be so sad. Yeah, he he was. I mean, I think he did kind of give up on, you know, his own ideals for clearly most of his adult life. I mean, like, you see him kind of reclaiming them as he gets older and kind of, you know, reprioritizing things for himself and, and kind of, you know, realizing that, that there, there is a reason to do things, you know, it, it, it does matter. Yeah. But no, I, mean, I, yeah, there, there's definitely 
clearly a nihilistic side. And I mean, like, you know, when you talk about like the dissociation and everything, I mean, like the nihilism just falls right in with that. But I think, you know, in some ways, you know, to your point earlier, where Jamie ne- hasn't necessarily changed his character, I think this is something that, you know, very much changes. I wouldn't say there's a change of his character so much as just that he's reprioritizing and just kind of, you know, he comes away from his imprisonment with all of his priorities that he's just been leaving, you know, for other people to deal with, basically. And he just, I like, also okay, think- I need to handle my shit. And he, but he cares about some things. Like he, you know, I think like the Jamie, Jamie in the dungeon with Cat. Like maybe he didn't really care if she killed him. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd be willing to no, go sure arguments either way. Did. But I think I don't think he ever cares about dying. I don't know. But I don't know if that fits the whole. And I know you said partly, but not the whole definition of nihilism. Because that would mean he wouldn't care about anything. He wouldn't have any loyalties. He wouldn't have any like by the, well, the strict yeah. definition of it. Because kind of in the I think modern context. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he if he was even as much as it sucks if he was completely devoted to Cersei and his whole life was just about those brief moments of joy when he was interpreting whatever that was he was getting out of having sex with Cersei. That's not completely nihilistic, you know? Right. Because there's a difference between, (laughs) uh, well, he and a lot of the other characters who are essentially soldiers, you know, they understand the stakes. They understand they can die. They're prepared for that. Um, (laughs) But there's there's a big difference between um, you know being prepared to die if you have to in a war or something or in a battle or whatever between that and nihilism. That's, that's yeah, a much I find, bigger I think concept. This is kind of a hard one to you know I think like Jamie's dumb like we can be like kind of dismissive. That's Fanon. This one it's sort of like yeah it's yeah you know sorta, there's, kinda, there's a lot of truth to it sometimes. as well you know yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's true yeah there's. All right, let's move on to Brienne now. Um, so one of the one of the prominent ones is I think there's this belief that Brienne wishes she was a man. I hate <gasps> this one. There's some so truth much. to that. No, no. no. <laughs> no I think it's like, incredibly it. insulting that a woman that doesn't look feminine must be a man. Like that's right. what they're saying, and that's so like that's she's, so incredibly insulting. Yeah. And she's like the most womanly woman that ever womaned, like internally. <laughs> I mean, she's such I a mean, girl. How much of this is the show? I mean, yeah. so much of this is the show. Yeah, they gave her that line about stop oh. moaning like a woman or whatever. Which <laughs> was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> growling you know? like bears. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I mean, if you read the text, I mean, I think, actually, I think, I think it was Chicky who said this on another episode. Something like, you know, if Brienne is pretty, then her arc here is, you know, if she had been attractive, she would have been married and, you know, living on Tarth with whoever. She would have gone down that path. It's, mm-hmm. but I, I have never seen anything where she wants to be. No, it has nothing I think to do with that. The only sense that she would want to be a man is that there would be some kind of. I mean, we talked about there'd it. Be a place her for her. Yeah, yeah there'd be a yeah. place for her. Yeah. Whereas she doesn't feel yeah. that or, she fits in anywhere. Or that it, it comes from that, that bit too, where she has though. a thought about her father yeah. and like. Well, doesn't she say she was her only, her father's only? She, Jamie catches her almost saying she was like oh, um, her yeah. own, her father's only son. Yeah, oh, and that's where it comes from. Oh. <laughs> but 
I there's never any sense. Well, then there's also that bit where. Oh, sorry. I'm my. Oh, I think my connection's all <laughs> going Before. slower than your guys's. As you say, there's that bit too where she thinks of herself as a freak, like she's not, uh, not a daughter, and not and she, not a son for her father. Something along those lines. Oh, so people could, could come interpret from that, that as well. Yeah. I but could that see could that be people. like how other people view you and that yeah, yeah. you don't feel it's not that she doesn't she feels like she was born in the wrong body or something like that. It's more like she wants to be one way. Society views her differently because she doesn't look the way they want her to look. Um, but that's not her saying, uh, you know, she wishes she was some, you know, no, I don't think it has anything to do with that. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the key is is what she seems to want, and everything we see her wanting is, you know, a more conventional life. Like she she didn't she didn't she didn't come to the sword because she loved swordplay and was like an Arya as a child. Like she wanted to be a more conventional girl, and it mm-hmm. just didn't seem to work out, you know, because of the way that she looked. I mean. This being said, though, I mean, like, I don't have a problem with people, you know, like, it's so important to me that people who 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 want to find trans representation, and if they find it in Brienne, I think, you know, great, they should, (laughs) they should find representation wherever they feel like they can find it and, you know, take it and run with it. I mean, like, I think it is important to, you know, if you see that there, you should grab it. And I especially see why people see it because of the show. Yeah, I could see that. Well, this kind of goes into my next uh, characterization I see in fandom, and that is um, Brienne is gay. Is that also an example of looking for representation where there's none to be found? (laughs) (laughs) I have never, every time I have come across it, it's been one of the few, the rare occasion where I've tiptoed into um, like Westeros.org or um, what's the other one and just run the hell out because it's always it's it's lobbied like it's in it's never here i'm reading the text or i'm watching the show and i see this and it's not it's always an insult it's always um a way of sidelining her it's never used at least the times i've seen it and i don't i admit i'm not on those things much Mm -hmm. but um well it's pretty popular in fan fiction too there's mm-hmm. so many fan fictions out there where like well, Brienne and always Sansa get, get it fic. well and some of them every just show I mean every character had... is gay in fan fiction mm-hmm. yeah and I've done this I'm really <laughs> guilty of this it. but I mean some of it's the show I mean the show uh, was one of the few things well, in the show if it's not that Marjorie or the um the incredible chemistry with um, Nikolai and um, Michelle Farrelly, where I had somebody we joked about, like, you know, hey, like those characters have chemistry something. in the books, too. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I, I think I've seen that there, too. But I was just I guess I think was thinking of some of the things I've read on forums and things. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone in fanfic is gay. And I think, like, some ass in the show, you know, some characters in the show, like Marjorie, for example, is, you know, definitely characterized mm-hmm. more. As, as bisexual, yeah. Yeah, as more, you know, than in than in the books, and certainly. So I, I don't... In the books, we really don't know much about her at all. <laughs> no. No, and no. let's just be frank. I mean, like, on the show, they have played into, you know, what 
a, a, a typical, you know, Western viewer would think of as a gay looking woman with Brienne. Yeah. Now, that is yeah. not to say yeah. that that is, you know, mm. what they've intended, but they have played that direction. And so I understand why people, you know, just watch the show and just they're like, well, she's probably gay. I mean, like, you know, it's the, 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 they're. There, there is a, a, a stereotype that, that is played into a little bit there. And I understand where it comes from. I mean, yeah, we don't you see, see anything as show, far as, you know, you don't see anything as far as her interest that tells you that. But there's very little that tells you about her interest in any other direction either. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. She's just a killing machine on the show. Definitely so. don't yeah. see how you get it from the book, though. No, <laughs> not from no. the book. She don't have any kind of inclinations that way at all. Okay. What about Brienne is stupid? I see this one a lot. <laughs> Okay, I think a lot of it, at least as far as the books go, and one of our guests talked about this, it's the incredible repetition of I am looking for a maid, yeah. a red of hair or whatever. I, and it's just like, oh my God, really? I think that may be part of it. I think... Jamie's part of it. Jamie yeah. calls her stupid yeah. so much. Yeah. yeah. Also, she's an athletic... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Dumb jock kind of... Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it, too. People look and she doesn't appear to be, at least not in the show and not really in the books either, that she's like some sort of book smarts. I'm not saying that's accurate, but I'm, I think that's where it comes from. And plus you know, everybody just, she she pledges to protect, she they end up dying. So she's, they always say that, you know, she's total. And I think, you know, don't don't swear, have Brienne protect you. You're going to die, you know. And I think she's really cautious. And I think people, you know, they read cautious as slow and slow mm-hmm. as stu- as stupid to a certain mm-hmm. extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that plays into it, too. Well, and I think physically she plays into kind of like typical concepts of an oaf. Yeah. Know, Lumbering. Body type. Not, I mean, yeah. here we go with the dunk comparisons, you know, like yeah. she's a big, dumb, slow. She's not dunk. particularly graceful. Yeah. She's, you That's know, that sort up. of big, big woman moving around. Being and dumb. <laughs> but on the other hand, she's certainly not stupid. I mean, like, oh, no. maybe no, she's not the smartest person, but she does. She's not clever. Things. Even Jamie, even Jamie right. acknowledges she she makes you know a lot of the wiser choices. Yeah, with the trap. horses and the inn and yeah, all that stuff. He's, he's oh, I don't think she's it. stupid. But at we all. have to acknowledge too that Brienne is young, a lot yeah. younger and a lot Very less young. worldly. Yeah. it's and not stupidity. It's naivety, she's yeah. naive. She's We've not talked witty. about that to death, right? Well, yeah. it's like you know, her. It's it, she's got some wit. Just yeah, she's got a little bit of wit. She gets labeled with the same brush sometimes that Sansa does. I mean, it's that they're young, they're naive, they want to believe what they're told. They like the fairy tales. They like the the not fairy tales, but the the courtly kind of ideal of knighthood. Um, mm-hmm. But that doesn't make you dumb. That just makes you kind of young and naive. And yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's part. Eventually, you grow up and you kind of get a little more sophisticated. But that does not make you stupid at all. I mean, I don't think like George actually writes that many stupid characters. I mean, I think you know, Victorian well, is, is stupid, but <laughs> you know, and like Arianne does some pretty stupid. You know, she does some kind of stupid things. But you know, for the most part, he's not writing like a bunch of idiots because who wants to read that? <laughs> no one says Ned. <laughs> I would argue, you, know, you know what? I'll go to the wall on this or the mat on this. I don't think Ned is stupid. I think Ned is he's operating like like Sansa, like Brienne is. They're trying. He's operating from a different sense of ideals than everybody else. He's in the wrong place 
for that kind of mindset. And I think that's what dooms him. Well, but I, I don't think, think he's, and he may be blind about a few right. things, but again, that doesn't make you dumb. I don't I think, think he's. That is as dumb as the plot requires uh, in a way. <laughs> yeah. He should have learned. He's he's been around a while. He he should have picked. But up I mean, on like a few little things. finger, you know, like his <laughs> I don't whole, know. They're, you know, both him and Cat are you know so incredibly trusting of Littlefinger because the plot requires it more or less. Yeah. yeah. But you know, I mean, that's well, it's also like we haven't seen Littlefinger in like what twenty fifteen twenty years. Yeah, I mean, it seems odd that he'd carry a grudge that long. But, well, I know? mean, like it's like. You knew somebody when they were, you know, 12 or 15. You've gone on. You've had five kids. You don't think about this, man. You're living halfway across the country. I judge people who I knew when I was 12 Yeah, I think about that, too. <laughs> I think about how they used you to be. You know someone who, you know, he was a twerp. He was the kid who had the crush. I mean, I think it's unrealistic to expect that they would know that he's this mastermind. Just like we've just said, everybody thinks little fingers should be hand. It doesn't mean they're dumb. It's just, they don't know. They don't know what yeah. we know. So I think I it's just, that you're going to the map for Ned. <laughs> I think <laughs> Ned gets a bad rap a lot. And <laughs> he does. I, I agree with you. I do agree with you. <laughs> no, All right. right. I don't know how we got off on to this. another one. <laughs> Brienne, um, that she's this, the saint that's turned Jamie good. That's a big big one. (laughs) I'm pretty sure on TV Trope, she's listed as his morality pet, which is a, a, I don't agree. She doesn't have a plot or arc of her own, of course. Mm. Oh, kind of like how um, there's Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's the idea of the morality pet is it's like, Oh, we've watched those those super villain movies, you know, like there's the villain and we find out in his origin story that once he was with this woman and he was going to be good for her. And as soon as she exits the page, he goes back to evil. I've well, seen that. I mean, we have to say that Nick and Gwen have both said things that highly hint of that. You know what I mean? And they're and the, about pure. And the writers and said it. Yeah, the yeah. They've all too. said it. They've all said it. So yeah, there's a fundamental <laughs> misread of what Brienne means in Jamie's story. I think on the show, and we see that daily in everything that they put on the screen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, so we basically all one. disagree with that. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I think with the the big the big uh, the pinnacle of that discussion is that they both are separate characters. They both have their own arcs, and they're equally as important. Or do you believe that Brienne is not as an important character, or that she's a secondary character, which I see quite a bit. I mean, more important than I think. And my argument would be somebody character. who has. Somebody that has as many chapters as Brienne. Wow. And she's not an important character. Yeah, she's listed a as a major with. POV when you look up the wiki and things. So I don't know what these people are ignoring f- like, through reading. Yeah. Their documentation. But her chapters <laughs> are so boring. They're boring. <laughs> and she's a girl. Okay. So, like, Ash's uncle, the one who's literate, who reads. Er- okay. Oh, uh, Roger Carlo. The reader. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to remember it. He's a secondary or tertiary. Yeah, character. exactly. Yeah. You want to go to me with come to me with chat? I'd argue he's whatever the term is for not tertiary. You know, further down. Secondary. I'd say secondary. There's a whole mess of people yeah. who are yeah. not really that integral. At least not yet. Maybe Victorians. I don't know. But yeah. you can't come to me and tell me that Brienne is secondary. 
She's a major. I mean, especially character. after coming after uh, coming off the uh, Duncan egg, having gone over those uh, novellas, I I, mm. I just I, it boggles yeah. the mind how yeah. anyone can argue. Oh that yeah, well, there's yeah. certainly an argument to be made that she's even bigger than we even think she might be. Yeah. But I mean, I think part of this is right. You kind of you kind of get back to the concepts of. Um, with with the Song of Ice and Fire, George tells this story oftentimes from the perspectives of not the main players. He deliberately doesn't get into the king's heads. He 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 kind of tells it like, from a little bit aside in someone it, else. aside angle, right? So if you want to talk about major players, sure you can make an argument that in in the grand scheme of Westeros, sure Jamie's a bigger player, but in the narrative. We don't know that Jamie's any bigger character than Brienne is. I mean, we really right. don't. She's a major character. She's got she I mean, she had this the what is it? She's second only to Cersei for POV chapters in, in Feast. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, he he gave her a lot of yeah. page and it, space. And, it, and it's kind of scary how many people are really convinced that she's gonna you know, you see so many theories that she's gonna be the one biting, you know Yeah taking it. And then, yeah. you know, Lady Stoneheart showdown, everybody just assumes she's just fodder for Jamie's storyline, you know? I think it's, uh, the show might be to blame, I mean, God knows what, they had her, like, standing at a window for an entire season. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I think Chicky's right. It's it's one thing to, like, okay, we, you know, we meet the reader and we get his perspective on whatever, but that, and that doesn't, you know, we're doing that because you got to have a window into it. The reason I think we get Cersei POVs is because George realized he had to have somebody in King's Landing telling a story. Otherwise, we wouldn't know. Yeah. He can't go with any of um, the, the Tyrells because they know too much. You know, he can't use certain characters because there's, he's like said, we would never get a perspective from them because they've got, they know way too much. Yeah. And, you know, we'd have to be privy to that. But she is not, you know, we don't get an occasional view. We get a lot of her. We mm-hmm. get her backstory. We get what she's thinking. We find out who she's loved. This is far more than, you know, she's in the room and we, this is how we're going to get to know what's going on. Right. Down. She's not a camera. She, yeah. and I think you see that a lot where, oh, Brienne's, Brienne's POV and feast is just to show the effects of war on the Riverlands. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the POV is to show the character of Brienne. I mean, there's a lot of her observances, but there's also a lot internally oh, of yeah. who she is and how she oh, feels and her, sure. you know, just who, yeah, I mean, who she is. Yeah. Yeah, well, her story is about her, and um, which is a pretty big clue that she is going to be important in some way. She's not Jon Snow. Look, nobody's <laughs> arguing that she's Danny or Jon Snow or something. <laughs> I would. <She's- laughs> All right, you make that I mean, argument. Long. No, I mean, if you she think about dunk. it, George wrote... <laughs> George basically wrote one book about Jamie, Cersei, and Brienne. He wrote another book about John, Tyrion, and Danny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, who are we to all be like, John, Tyrion, and Danny are the most important because, you know, they've <laughs> been in. The, I mean, yes, they probably are, but, you know, who the hell knows what's up with that crazy How old. How boring period. would that be, though? Yeah. Like, that's why I, I don't subscribe to that. I guess just knowing George, like, eh, I don't think so. Who's going to end up saving the world, that kind of thing? I don't know. I'm willing to accept that I've got to deal with Danny and John for the end of time or whatever. But, you know. I think it would be too tempting as an author having everybody believe this is obviously going to happen to do something. Yeah, it seems like too pat for him. I don't know. Every time he's had a chance to subvert a trope with John, man, Uh. he he goes for the trope every freaking time. (laughs) 
That's the he big setup. Long con. Long con. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it the thing, awesome the books are literally <laughs> called A Song of Ice and Fire. I mean, like, it is it is Danny and John in the end. But, I mean, you know. We'll see. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> wow, or not. Well, we may never know. Well, maybe that's where the bitter sweet comes from. You are just clinging. We may not. So, okay, I think we're going to do a little bit of wrap-up discussion. Um, why, in your opinion, is it important to distinguish between canon versus fandom? Or fanon? Why should we care? Do we care? Maybe I do. About she- some things. I mean, I'm willing to accept certain fanon, like, inconsequentials because they're fun or whatever. But I, if, if you want to do your own thing entirely, go write original fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think the source material is really important. I always have. I don't. Maybe maybe that's it, right? The source material, I think, for all of us has grabbed us in a way like no mm-hmm. other series has. I think I can safely say that. Maybe except for the Anne of Green Gables series. <laughs> 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 so when you see it being so misconstrued, it just kind of gets you. You just can't help it, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's that whole, you know, for me, it's, there's people wrong on the internet. God damn it. Yeah. I can't <laughs> abide by that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's it's about uh, what you're in fandom for, right? Are, are you in fandom because you want more of the canon? Or are you in fandom to kind of, you know, self-insert, you know, especially like with shipping? I mean, people come to it for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, people just true. end up there for yeah. to play paper dolls and they like the way the <laughs> actors look and they, you know, they really haven't paid that much attention to what the actual story, you know, I mean. They're in there it are for the smut. Who, yeah. Yeah. There's that. yeah I, 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 I'm not, not going to lie. Sometimes it's very important to me. I just want to see them kiss and do other things to each other. I would yeah. kind of end the Jamie Brienne paper dolls. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, Everyone's Song of Ice and Fire paper dolls, I might, especially if I could get like outfits for the direwolves, I would be into that. That would be awesome. <laughs> that being said, no, it okay, really matters uh, to me. It matters to me a lot. I hate some of this fan and garbage. Quit it. <laughs> Cannon all the way. <laughs> And it stops immediately tomorrow after you've said that. (laughs) Okay, so um, I think of anyone, there's probably the most mischaracterization of Jamie. Uh, Agree? Disagree? Agreed. Yeah, I think it's... um, Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, Yeah. definitely with the show. That's what it is. It's it's the fucking show, Larry. Yeah. 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 And we're all like sound exhausted as we say Larry because we know we've talked about it. (laughs) We exhausted. (laughs) Well, you know, you come to the show for Jamie and they give you Larry. And And Larry, let's face it, Larry fucking sucks. Like, there's nothing good about Larry. He's the worst. Do you know how hard it is? Let's just be. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Lot. I say, you know how hard it is to speak with people, like, in real life, and when they mention, you know, oh, yeah, I like Game of Thrones, you watch Game of Thrones, and then when you get that question, you're like, okay, calm down, take a breath. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tackle them. Bite your head off, yeah. And then you tell them how much you love Jamie, and they look at you like you're growing three heads. You have to explain. And then you're like, well, that's because, like, the books, we're, man. Well, we're talking about like how smart Jamie is, but Jamie on the show has made some absolutely brain dead moves. I mean, stupid, just not smart. Dorn. I mean, just not bright <laughs> at all. Let's dress up and go and uh, brush. Oh God. 
<laughs> I have another anecdote too today. Uh, this week, a coworker of mine was again one of those casual. Oh yeah, I started watching Game of Thrones. I'm like, oh my my favorite character is Brienne. I love Brienne. She's like, who's Brienne? I literally <laughs> told her to get the fuck you out of my shut office. The fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you need to leave. <laughs> it's like you can't sit with us. <laughs> I, I really hope, lot for your sake, that she wasn't just on like the first season. <laughs> no, she's she's but she got through it all. Okay, I couldn't believe that she was like, "Who's Brienne?" Though I was ready to kill her. <laughs> I don't know. I always remember my first my first experience watching this show. I saw like six episodes, and I was describing, you know, Jamie was pervy blonde brother number one, and Viserys was pervy blonde brother number two, and I I mean, because I couldn't. Keep track of anybody but <laughs> okay so here we're gonna wrap this up with a final question um what is one characterization of jamie or brienne that you wish you could smite from the earth and for me it's it would be the show characterization of brienne is this hard cold-blooded killer i would love to just get rid of that that was a huge oh, mistake yeah. yeah yeah she's kind of like a robot in the in the show terminator right she's the terminator yeah yeah I, I would like Larry to leave. We've seen glimpses of the real ja- Jamie, and I want him back. Mm. I just wish Jamie would leave King's Landing. Just stay in the Riverlands. I would Get like your to box. kill. I would like to kill the the suicidal Valencar. Oh yeah, garbage. Oh, oh, Jamie. Terribly, like completely broken, <sighs> non-functioning Jamie of the Jamie Cersei fandom. That that person. That person who <laughs> is never getting over Cersei to any degree whatsoever. That 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 characterization. I would love to just kill with fire. I think I would rather I I hate that, but I would still rather kill Doofus Jamie, who I hate with fire with thousands of songs. <laughs> oh man! So who haven't we offended tonight? I <laughs> actively read oh, a lot of fan fiction. That I want to like, I want to kill Brienne being a delicate flower because she's not a delicate flower. And I can re- even remember at one point people were really pissed off about. TV Brienne being mean to Podrick a couple yeah. seasons ago. Yeah, I remember that. And we, I remember we were in this discussion and we were like, I think Chicky was like, Brienne is not, she's kind of a bitch to Jamie whenever they first meet. Oh, big time. Oh, huge. yeah. Yeah. She it, treats them like everyone else does. And, and, and um. you know, in canon, whenever Brienne comes across Podrick, Podrick's a little kid, but in, yeah. in TV, Podrick's a grown man. Yeah. I mean, he's a teenager. Yeah. Can't even skin a grown right man with a magic dick. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It just goes oh. back to these all or nothing kind of flat, one dimensional, you know, things, mm. labels they sort of get thrown on them that they can't be, you can't be strong and vulnerable. You can't right. be strong yeah. and smart. You can't be. <laughs> Feminine and yet athletic. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. Mm, well, I think yeah. that's going to bring us to the end. Um, this was really good, beefy episode, my <laughs> friends. Um, any any parting shots? Any- <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think to be fair, like I. For any fan fiction writers listening to this, you know, again, like those of us who write fan fiction, I think we're all guilty of yes, 
I've of done it. different characterizations that we probably regret or, you know, aren't perfectly canon. And so I don't, you know, don't take this as like a, we're all, you know, we, we are, we're all in there together in our characterization. Hey, yeah. I always say like, by definition, fanfic is out of character. So like, you yeah. know, you can't win. You really can't win. It's part wish fulfillment, right? With fan fiction. Yeah. So oh, a lot yeah. of it is wish fulfillment. So it can't possibly be that good and bad. <laughs> no. I think we know he's not, right? <laughs> we know he's not. <laughs> well, obviously, since like he o- he's missing a hand, he can only do. You it's know, true. Yeah. <laughs> he, a tongue. I mean, <laughs> come on. Right. I mean, it's always, you know, Brian is on top, right? There's, because, yeah, we, I mean, it's fit. Well, we need more energy. people. Yeah. We need more people trying to mimic George's cringy sex scenes. I've seen some things on the internet here. I think you could do some creative with a stump. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I gotta say, I love I think I'm not, no, we're gonna end it. Okay, so <laughs> I know one more thing. I love the fix where suddenly he's got his hand back. It's always fun. <laughs> or he's lost, like, hit the wrong hand. Yeah. <laughs> or there's three. There's three hands. Sometimes that happens. We've all done that. <laughs> An extra wang in there. <laughs> all right, I'm shutting up now. Okay, I'm shutting it down. All right, is, so is we hope Patreon? you've enjoyed this episode, everyone. <laughs> Um, we're not doing any mail for this episode, but no, uh, we no. do love messages. So please send them to close the door and come here.tumblr.com. Um, please uh, follow us on Twitter at door podcast, support this podcast on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash close the door, subscribe, like to this podcast on all the things you may listen to it on, uh, iTunes, Google play, YouTube, subscribe and like, please. And remember to recommend this podcast to all your friends or people that aren't your friends if you want to get revenge on them because apparently we're grading as well, I've heard. <laughs> um, thank Bye. you, panel. This episode, closing the door. <laughs> get out. <Thanks> a lot. <laughs>